Praise the Lord. That's a beautiful song. Man, the, the message of that song, uh, I Stand Redeemed by the Blood of Jesus. There's nothing, man, nothing greater than that. Amen. And uh, that's just a powerful, powerful song. All right. Uh, well, let's take our Bibles tonight. Open the book of Numbers, chapter 13. The book of Numbers, chapter number 13. Numbers chapter 13. And uh, we were kind of looking at this passage last week, and um, we were talking about how important it is that we have uh, strong leaders, strong leaders in our home, uh, strong leaders in our churches, right? Obviously, we have a great need for strong leaders in our government and things, but um, we can't expect to have strong leaders in government if we don't have strong leaders in the church and in the home. And I believe that's probably one of the reasons why we don't have strong leaders in our government, is because we're failing to have strong leaders in our homes and in our churches. Um, in Numbers chapter 13, and we'll begin reading in uh, verse number 25, it says, And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight." So last week we were looking at this. Of course, this is dealing with, uh, at the time, the, uh, the 12 spies that are sent into the land of Canaan uh, after Moses. Uh, God has used Moses to bring Israel out of Egypt. Uh, they've been at Mount Sinai for a while, and now God is bringing them up to the promised land. And uh, God's desire is for them to enter the promised land. And so Moses sends out spies, these 12 spies, into the promised land to see what the land is like to kind of get an idea of what, the, what obstacles they're going to face and things. Um, and so they're there for about 40 days, it says, and they come back and they begin to give their report. And uh, in the report, we find uh, they said, look, the land is good. It's a land of, that floweth with milk and honey. Uh, this is the fruit of it. And of course, we know as they, uh, they brought back, um, it says back up in uh, verse number 32, and they came into the brook, uh, excuse me, verse 23, they came into the brook of Eskel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. So uh, this was a land that flowed with milk and honey. This was a bountiful land. This land was uh, producing amazing crops here, right? Uh, but watch what it says, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And of course, um, so there are 10 that go in, 
And uh, we know that there were 10 that brought this evil report. Uh, only two of those that went into the land actually uh, believed God that they could, they could um, actually do what God wanted and conquer the land. Uh, last week, um, I, talked, I, I taught you a song. How many of you remember the song? A few of you remember the song. Some of you don't remember the song. Maybe you just weren't paying attention. No, I'm just kidding, right? Um, so anybody remember how the song goes? It has 10, we're bad, 2, we're good. Come on, 10, we're bad, 2, we're good, right? You remember how it goes? Remember how it goes? All right, well, we'll have to sing it again tonight, right? You got to learn this song, right? If you don't learn it, we're just going to keep doing it every week, right? So uh, we're going to do it until you learn it, okay? So remember how it goes? 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. What do you think they saw at Canaan? 10 were bad and 2 were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes of clusters long. Some saw God was in it all, but 10 were bad and 2 were good. Yeah, that was pretty easy, wasn't it? That's pretty easy. All right, let's do it one more time. Some of you, I don't, I don't think you're quite catching it. You're like, it's not sign language, okay? We're not doing sign language tonight, okay? It's just 10 were bad, two were good, okay? It's like, which way do the fingers go, right? It's like 10, two, no, just 10 were bad, two were good, okay? All right, ready? Here we go. How does it start? I just sang it. Thank you, thank you. All right, 12 men. All right, here we go. Ready? 12 men went to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad and 2 were good. What do you think they saw at Canaan? 10 were bad and 2 were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes of clusters long. Some saw God was in it all, but 10 were bad and 2 were good. All right, I think you're catching it. I think you're getting it. That's good. Yes, these guys on the front row are very proud of themselves. They could figure out what is 10. That's great. I'm good. That's good. So last week we were looking at this, and we're looking at the characteristics of ungodly leaders, right? Ungodly leaders, okay? Um, and basically looking at these 10 men and looking at what they, uh, how they were leading, right? And we saw last week, we just looked at two, and we saw that there is a fear of the enemy, right? In, in verse number 28 and 29, there is a great fear here, right? There is the walled cities, uh, the people are strong, there's the, the giants, and then all these people, the Amalekites and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, there's just so many enemies here, and they're just like, we just can't do it. They were afraid of the enemy. They were afraid of them. Yes, they said it was a land that flows with milk and honey. They used God's own words, the land that flows with milk and honey, but they were afraid of the enemy, Right? And as Christians, especially when we're talking about leaders, we cannot be afraid of our enemy. Now, may I say this? We should have a, a respect for our enemy, but we don't have to fear our enemy. When I say respect for him, I'm not talking about a, a respect in honoring him. I'm just saying we have to understand the devil is not stupid, okay? The devil is not weak. He is strong. He is smart. Uh, he is deceptive, Okay. Um, and he uses, uh, he uses deceit and things. And so there, there needs to be a respect of our enemy. It's not like, hey, you know, I'm a Christian now. I got, I got all my, you know, I got the devil whipped. You know, I got him taken care of. Friend, you're wrong. <laughs> you don't have him whipped. You don't have him taken care of. Uh, in fact, it sounds like it's just the opposite. He's got you so full of pride, you don't even know which way's up, right? And so they were afraid of the enemy. They, even though God had told them, look, I'm going to bring you into this land. This is the promised land that I've given to you. There was a fear of enemies. 
and we must be willing to fight, whether it's for our homes, uh, for our church, uh, for our nation. Uh, again, God's blessings don't come cheaply, right? We must be willing to fight for them. But then we also saw, secondly, there was a disregard for God's word, a disregard for God's word. It says in verse number 31, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. We can't do it. They're stronger than us. Even though God said he's going to do it, even though God says he wants to do it for us, we cannot trust God. They were not willing to take God at his word. They were not willing to believe what God said. And so there was a disregard for God's word. Right? But notice the third thing as we continue tonight. And again, if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back and kind of pick that up. uh, And that way you can kind of know where we started from. But notice there's a third thing here. Because again, as our theme is strong this this year, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, there is a tremendous need for strong leaders. And again, we're not talking physical, we're talking spiritual. We need spiritually strong leaders. Now, particularly, may I say, we need strong leaders to lead our homes. That's men. We need strong leaders in our churches, okay? But just because uh, that men are leading the home, that does not mean that we're talking just primarily to men. No, we're talking about women and young people and children. We need strong leaders that trust God. We need strong leaders that believe God. So notice the third thing that we find about these ungodly leaders Notice, they bring an evil report. Look in verse number 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. So watch this. They're bringing an evil report. What are they doing? Didn't God say the land was good? Didn't God say it was a land that floweth with milk and honey? In fact, they used those same words. So what did they do? And here's what happens with ungodly leaders. They make the things of God appear evil. They'll take the things that God has said are good and turn them to look evil. They brought an evil report. Now, again, they said, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey, but then what did they say? They said, the land through which we have gone is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. Now, wait a minute. What does that mean? A land that eats up the inhabitants. That means that the people that are in there are dying. Well, if the people in there are dying, why are you afraid of them? If the people that are in there are being eaten up by the land, this land is just so horrible, what are you afraid of then? How are these people so strong? I mean, they they take and they take what is right and good and they try, try to twist it and turn it to be evil and bad. It says, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. Well, that wasn't true either. It wasn't everybody. It was the the Anakims. The Anakims were the giants. The Anakims were the ones that were the giants, not everybody. What are they doing? They're taking what God said was good and turning it evil. They make the things of God look evil. Think about what the Bible says back in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. In verse number 25. 
Romans chapter 1, verse number 25, it says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed for every man. What are they They're changing the truth. God told them, I'm going to bring you up to this land. I have given this land to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I've given this land to the Israelites. This is going to be your land, and I'm going to bring you up, and you're going to inhabit it. And when they came up, they said, no, 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 this is, this is horrible. This is bad. Can I say tonight, be very careful when you start saying that the things of God are bad. Be very careful when we start trying to take what God says is good and twist it to make it be evil. Look, there's no doubt that the world does this, right? The world is doing it. The world's trying to change the family, right? The family structure. The world's trying to change genders. The world's trying to change all kinds of things, right? They're, they're trying to change what God has made to be good. They're trying to change it to be that which is evil. But again, please understand, we're not talking about the world here. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about believers. We're talking about Christians. And many times we can take and see what God has said, and we can say, this is what God wants for us. And, and if I were to ask this question by a show of hands, please do not raise your hand. If I was to ask this question, again, please do not raise your hand. How many of you think that following God's will is the best in, in your life? I guarantee you 99%, if not 100% of hands would be raised tonight. But then we don't do it. We, we say it. We say, yes, I know that following God's will is the best. I know that God has the best plan for my life. There's nothing greater than serving God. But then what do we do? We try to make serving God appear evil. We try to make serving God appeal, appear wrong. Or like, well, there's just, we just don't have time to serve God. Or, you know, giving, giving your, your, your life to, to serve God full time, whether it be a pastor or a missionary, man, that's just, man, we, we just, we're afraid of what God is going to do. Wait, what are we doing? We're, we're making the goodness of God appear to be evil. And that is a characteristic of an ungodly leader. They're saying, hey, yes, we saw that God says this is good, and we saw the land, and yeah, we saw the fruit of it. I mean, the pomegranates and the grapes and all these things were absolutely amazing, but we don't want to go in. We don't want to trust God. We don't want to believe God. And to get other people to follow, they bring an evil report. They bring an evil report. I wonder... How many times we make it seem like following God and trusting him is impossible? You just can't trust God. I mean, we say it, trust God, believe God, trust him, walk by faith. He's in control. He knows what's best. We say it, but then what do we do? We turn around and do just the opposite. What are we telling our children? What are we telling our family? What are we telling those around? You can't trust God. Oh, we say it with our mouth, but we really can't do it. Oh, yeah, the, the, the blessings of God, man, they're, they're great. They're, 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 they're wonderful, but you just can't trust God. You can't trust God in it. And we turn the goodness of God into an evil report. That's exactly what these men did. They brought an evil report. Notice, fourthly, not only did they bring an evil report, but they were deceptive. They lied. Think about what this says in verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, 
which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Remember, it is, it's estimated, again, there's no way to be exactly certain how many, but it is estimated that there was probably about 2 million Jews that came out of, out of Egypt, about 2 million. Because when Moses began to figure out men who could, they could place into the, into the military, there was about 600,000 men, right? And so when you figure those that were younger and then those that were older and you figure women and you figure children, a, a rough conservative estimate would be about 2 million people. That's a lot of people, 2 million people. They've come out of Egypt. Moses is trying to lead them. But only 12 went in to spy out the land. You've got 2 million people that have no idea what the land looks like. 2 million people that don't know what really is there. And these 12 men come back and they begin to give this report. Of course, 10 were bad. Two were good. These, again, these were not just anybody picked at random. Last week we looked at the beginning of chapter 13. These were the, these were the heads of the tribes of Israel. These were leaders. These were the ones that people were looking to for leadership. These were the heads of, the, of each tribe. And as they came back, they were afraid of the enemy. They were afraid to trust God. And so in order to get the rest of the people not to trust God and not to go in, they had to deceive the people. They, they were deceptive in what they were saying. In fact, you could... You can say, well, they didn't lie. Were the enemies there? Yes. Were the walls strong? Yes. Were the, were the armies there? Yes. They were. But who had they just defeated? The greatest world empire that there was at that time. And if God could use the children of Israel, and God really didn't even need the children of Israel. He just did it himself. If God is able to defeat the greatest empire that there was at that time, who are the Jebusites? Who, who, are the, who are the Canaanites? Who are these people compared to the Egyptians that they had just gotten victory over? Nothing. They weren't anybody compared to them. But these leaders were so afraid that they would not believe God, they would not trust God, and so they begin to deceive the people into disbelieving God. They have to deceive the people to get them to follow them instead of trusting Moses, instead of following the leaders that God placed there, instead of listening to Joshua and Caleb, they begin to deceive the people. Again, think about it. It is impossible for a human to be the size of a grasshopper in another human being's sight. That's impossible. That is an exaggeration. They were deceptive. I mean, when you think about it, of course, we, I think we all know the account here. Of course, 40 years later, because they choose not to go in, they go, they, Joshua begins to lead them into the promised land. 
and they cross the Jordan River, and uh, God again blesses, and they come to Jericho. And of course, when we think about Jericho, uh, probably one of the strongest cities that was there, uh, the, the, the scholars and commentators tell us that the walls of Jericho were so, were so wide that they could actually have chariot races on top of the walls. I would say that's a pretty strong city, right? I mean, if you can have chariot races, right? Again, I, I don't know how many, but at least they, they were able to at least somehow maybe get two, maybe three or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good size wall, I would say. You know, so it's not like they were not being truthful and saying the walls were there and the, the cities were strong. They were being deceptive in what they were saying and that there is no way that God can ever bring victory over these people. It is absolutely impossible. These people are so great. They are so strong. They are so mighty. Now, again, did Israel have any formal training in military battles or anything like this? No, of course not. But here's the thing. They didn't need it. They didn't need that formal training. They didn't need to know how to organize a battle. God, told, God was going to tell them what to do, just like he told them what to do with, uh, with the, 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 the Egyptians. But they would deceive the people so that they would follow them instead of following God. Now, now, here's where, men, you've got to be very careful that we do not lead our families and our children to follow us instead of following God. Many times we think we know what is best, and we, you know, hey, God's, God's given me the, the, the ability to, to lead my family. That's my responsibility, and that's great. We, we understand that. But when we start trying to teach our families and lead our families, you can't trust God. You better trust me instead. You don't listen to what God says. You just listen to what dad says or mom and dad says. Hey, don't listen to what the Bible says. Don't listen to what God says. You just believe me because, hey, I really know what's out there. And I'm telling you, you probably aren't going to be able to make it unless you listen to me. And I tell you, we better be very careful when we start telling those that we have influence over, whether it's in our families, our children, our church, uh, wherever we're at. You don't believe God. You believe me. You follow what I say. Don't listen to Joshua and Caleb. Don't listen to what they're saying, right? Caleb stilled the people before Moses said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And what they say, the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They said, Caleb, be quiet. Don't say anything. You're going you're to convince them to actually go up and trust God. Wow, imagine that. And what's sad, may I say, is that in our, and again, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in Christian homes, in Christian churches, we have people leading our families and our churches not to trust God. Don't listen to what God says. You just follow me. I know what's best for you. Wait a minute. I thought God knew what was best. And this is what they were doing. They were deceiving the people to follow them. Notice the next thing. In this, and again, I think you can see a progression here. 
They're bringing an evil report. They're trying to say what God says is good is evil. And then they're trying to deceive them. They are listening to Caleb and Joshua. Hey, don't listen to them. No, no. And so what do they do? They have to start deceiving them. Hey, you know, man, these giants, we're like grasshoppers and all these strong things. And what do they begin to do? Here's the next thing. They lead people away from God's will. Look what he says in chapter 14 and verse number 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt." They are trying to lead people away from God's will. We need to be very careful when we try to lead others away from what we know God wants them to do. To try to lead them away from Christ, to try to lead them away from from growing in their walk with Christ, from trying to lead them away from from following the Lord and trusting Him. I, I, I don't understand. And I, I've seen families where they're, they're in church and they're saved. And when it comes time to encouraging their children to serve God, or in just encouraging the family as a whole to follow and serve God. The parents will actually lead their children away from God. Leading them away from what God would have for them. Encouraging them not to seek God. Look, can I tell you what that means? That means the parents are doing the same thing. It means the parents are not seeking God. That means the parents are actually turning away from God as well. There was no doubt that going into the promised land was God's will. Why had God brought them out of Egypt? Did God bring them out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? No. Did God bring them out of Egypt to die in the promised land at the hands of the enemies? No. God brought them out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land. This was what God had promised to them. This was God's will for Israel. Can, can, I, say, can I say, sometimes, sometimes we can almost um, out-spiritualize ourselves. You know what I mean by that? Sometimes we can act so spiritual that, um, you know, well, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, I'm just not sure if I need to do that. Let me, let me pray about that right? We can out-spiritualize ourselves. We get this, and we almost use spirituality as a scapegoat, right? Well, I'm just not sure that, I'm just not sure that God wants me to tell other people about Jesus. Can I tell you something? You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about whether God wants you to tell somebody about Jesus or not. You know why? He's already said do it. 
well, I'm just not sure. I, you know, we need to pray about whether you know, we're going we're gonna to be in church as a family. I can tell you, you don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about it. I just, I'm just not sure. I need to pray about whether, you know, whether we're going to give to missions or whether we're going to tithe and support the work of God. You don't have to pray about that. I'm just not sure. I better pray about whether you know, I need to pray. Well, that's a really good one. <laughs> you see, we, we over-spiritualize things. When God is already clear on so many things and we're like, well, I'm just not sure if that's really what God wants. God's already said do it. Why, why would we sit back and question what God's will is? You, you don't have to. It was very clear. God had told them, I'm bringing you out of Egypt to come into the promised land. This was his will. This was God's will for their life. And what do they begin doing? They begin to lead people away from that. Again, there was no doubt that this was God's will, but they allowed these ungodly leaders to lead them away from God's will and to try to get them to go back into Egypt. Can I say, be very careful whether you as a leader try to lead people away from God's will or you who are following someone listens to someone trying to lead you away from God's will. You remember what... <laughs> Remember what happened in, in, the, in Matthew chapter 3? Matthew chapter 3, Jesus, of course, is baptized into the wilderness. And then in chapter 4, he's been tempted for 40 days, or he's been in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, and then Satan comes and tempts him. What do you think the purpose of the temptations were there that Satan brought to Jesus? Do you think Satan just decided, oh, I'm just going to tempt Jesus for no reason? No, there was a purpose for it. The purpose in the temptation was to try to get Jesus to turn away from God's will. To turn away from God's will. Why do you think in the Garden of Gethsemane, why do you think he's praying there? Why do you think, why do you think Jesus says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Why? Because there's no doubt that Satan was there oppressing and saying, hey, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. Don't follow what God says. This is going to be dangerous. This is going to hurt. This is not going to be good. There's no doubt that he was there trying to convince the Lord not to follow God's will. And look, we've all experienced that. We've all experienced, whether it's the devil, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whoever it might be, trying to convince us, hey, it's not important to follow God's will. Don't, you don't have to do that. I mean, man, what are you, some type of zealot? You're always wanting to follow what God says. Well, if that's what a zealot is, then sure, I'll be a zealot. To follow God's will? Absolutely. Be careful when people try to lead you away from God's will. Because here's, here's what begins to happen. And again, notice, because of all of what these ungodly leaders were doing... Here's what begins to happen. The people who they were supposed to be leading, the people began to listen to what they were saying, and the people rebelled. The people rebelled against God and against even the leaders that God had placed there. Look in verse number two. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Wait a minute. Was it Moses' idea to come to the promised land? No. It was God's. Was it Aaron's idea? No, it was God's. 
And so they begin to murmur against the leaders that God has placed there. And the whole congregation said to them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in the wilderness? And watch what they begin to do. In verse number four, they said, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Let us make a captain, right? In other words, the one that God has placed over us is not good enough. We need somebody who's going to do what we want them to do. Why? Because Moses wasn't going to return back to Egypt. Moses said, this is what God wants. We're, we're moving forward here. We're pushing forward here. We're going to go in. They said, no, 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 we're not. In fact, we're not going to listen to you, Moses. In fact, we're willing to kick you out, and we're willing to make our own captain who will lead us to do what we want to do. They're going to lead us back into Egypt. Why would you want to go back? They didn't have a, an easy life in Egypt. It was hard. They were slaves. They were under taskmasters. Why would you want to go back? But this is what they said. We're going to have somebody that we will choose and will lead us back. And watch what happens in verse number 9. This is, what, this is what Joshua and Caleb said. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. Joshua and Caleb said, guys, what are you doing? What are you doing? You are rebelling against God. This is God's will. This is what God has led us to. And to say, no, we're not going to go in. You are rebelling against God. And see, sometimes I don't think we really understand that when we don't follow what God wants, we just like to think, well, that's just, not, that's just not me. That's just not the way I would choose to do it. No, do you understand? But when we choose to disobey God, we are rebelling against God. And we don't like those words. We don't like to think of ourselves as rebelling. No, no, I, I'm a Christian. I love God. But you're not going to trust him? No, I'm a Christian. I love God. I'm going to follow God only when it pleases you and what you want to do. When we are not obedient to God, and this is exactly what they said, rebel not ye against the Lord. When we choose to disobey God and to follow ungodly leaders, we are rebelling against God. When we know what God has given to us. Now, here's, these are all things that are of ungodly leaders. And really, if you think about it, we've really been seeing the character of a godly leader the whole time. Because it's just the opposite of the ungodly leader, right? But in brief, can I, can I share with you what a godly leader does? We've seen what the ungodly leader does. Right? These are all characteristics of the ungodly leader. But let me show you the characteristic of a godly leader. Look in, in chapter 32, in Numbers chapter 32. In Numbers chapter 32, look in verse number 11.
This is now 40 years has passed between chapter 13 and chapter 32 now. They've come back to the Jordan River. They've come back to the promised land. And watch what he says here in verse number 10. Or excuse me, verse number 11. Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall the land or shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. This is what God says. The reason why they are not going into the land, the reason why those 20 years up and older are going to die, they're not going to go in the land, is because they have not wholly followed me. Now watch verse 12. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Again, all of these that we have seen are characteristics of ungodly leaders. A godly leader is just the opposite of these. A godly leader is not going to fear the enemies because a godly leader knows that God is on his side. They're not going to have a disregard for the word of God. They're not going to bring an evil report. They're not going to be deceptive. They're not going to lead others away from God's will. They're not going to rebel against God and the leadership God has placed there. Here's what God says. To be a godly leader, they wholly followed the Lord. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, completely. They completely followed the Lord. Completely. Remember what, remember what they said? Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. They spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. They're trying to tell the people, hey, you can trust God. You can trust him. He's got the best plan for us. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Two million people said, kill them. The rest of the congregation, they said, we're going to listen to these ten. We're not going to listen to Joshua and Caleb. Can I tell you, a godly leader will lead even when everybody else is against him. They wholly followed the Lord. Even when nobody else is standing with them, they're willing to stand and be obedient to what God says. They wholly gave themselves to do what God wanted them to do. They said, look, if the Lord delights in us, he'll do it. He brought us here for a purpose. We can trust him, guys. We can trust him. Just believe him. Just trust him and see what he does. And they said, nope, we're not going to. And all of those from 20 years old and upward that came out of the land of Egypt died in the wilderness. By the way, they got what they wished for. They said, would to God we had died in the wilderness. God said, all right, I'll give you what you want. It was only Joshua and Caleb and their families that got to enter the promised land. They got to see the blessings of God. They got to see God do amazing things because they wholly followed the Lord. They believed what God said. They believed Him. 
Again, think about this. This is what they said in verse number 13, uh, chapter 13, verse number 30. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. They said, no, guys, don't listen to them. They're deceiving you. Hey, this is God's will. Let's do it. They believed God. Can I say these are the kind of men we need leading in our homes? Men that wholly follow the Lord. These are the kind of women that we need in our homes, women who wholly follow the Lord. These are the kind of teenagers we need, teenagers that wholly follow the Lord. These are the kind of people that we need in our church, Christians that wholly follow the Lord. Remember what happened to all those ungodly leaders and those who followed them. They all died in the wilderness never experiencing the blessing of God. I wonder how often, as they were wandering around in the wilderness for the next 40 years, they remembered those grapes that they had to carry out on poles. They remembered the pomegranates. They remembered that land flowing with milk and honey, knowing they never got to see it again they never got to taste those grapes again they never got to taste that pomegranate again guess what they got for the next 40 years manna look I like bread I love bread but grapes are really good too and man take some honey Pour it on top of that bread, you know. Pomegranates. You ever had a pomegranate? Pretty good. Think of all the other the fruits and the vegetables and things that were in the land that they never got to experience again. And for 40 years, those 10 men were wandering in the wilderness remembering what God had offered them and that they refused. And one by one, they had to watch their families die. One by one, they had to watch each other die in the wilderness, never experiencing the promised land. Can I tell you, friend, God has unbelievable things planned for us. Blessings, and please understand, when I say blessings, I'm not just talking financial stuff. I'm not talking that at all. Now, maybe God does bless financially and praise God for that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just seeing God be able to work in your family, seeing God work through your children, seeing God work through your Sunday school class or your super church class or work through your church and just seeing God do things that we would never have imagined. (laughs) A church like this, giving over $100,000 a year in missions, can I tell you something? That's amazing. That's, that's God working. And we just want to, nah, that's not worth it. It's not worth it. We can't believe God. We can't trust God. Can I say you don't have to have wealth? You don't have to have a position or education to be a godly leader. You just have to be willing to wholly follow the Lord. Just wholly follow the Lord. Be a Joshua. Be a Caleb. Say, hey, I don't know what obstacles are in front of me. I don't know what's going to come, but I know who does. 
and I know the one who knows what obstacles are able to, that, that are going to come, he is able to overcome them. I, I may not, but I know he is. We need men and women and teenagers who are willing to wholly follow God. You really want to see a difference in your home? You want to see a difference in your church? You want to see a difference in your nation? It doesn't start with the world. No. It starts right here. It starts with men and women who are willing to wholly follow the Lord. I wonder where their heads bowed and their eyes closed this evening. No one looking about tonight. Are you willing to say, God, I just want to wholly follow you? Husbands, are you being the godly leader that God wants you to be in your marriage? Fathers, are you being the godly leader that God wants you to be in your home with your children? Mothers, are you being the godly leader that God wants you to be in your homes? Teenagers, are you being the godly leaders that God wants you to be? You don't have to wait till a certain age to be a godly leader. No, no, no. Just wholly follow the Lord. Be yielded to Him, what He has for you. Trust Him, believe Him, because He truly does know what's best. Don't just say it with your mouth. Live it with your life. Will you wholly follow the Lord? Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us. Lord, how desperately we need strong leaders in our homes, in our families. Lord, to teach our children to love you, to teach our children that they can follow you. They don't have to be afraid. Lord, they can trust you in our churches. Lord, we need examples of strong, godly leaders. Lord, you've blessed us with many young people and teenagers. and Lord, they need those examples to follow. They need men like Joshua and Caleb who are going to wholly follow the Lord. Lord, you'd help our church, men, women, teenagers, desire to be godly leaders to wholly follow you. I wonder with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, we're just going to stand quietly this evening. The piano's just going to play softly.